And so what you'll find is that the zodiac signs correct some quality of the sign that came before. And this is most clear when we see a planet make an ingress from one sign to another. For example, in the sign of Sagittarius, Venus is flamboyant, vibrant, has a big stage presence. And as Venus moves into the sign of Capricorn, you'll see Venus conforming to more efficient, practical, and classic expressions. Venus would start wearing muted earth tones, thick wools, and hardy materials. Venus would value sustainably sourced and multi-purpose pieces. Our relationships get a bit more focused and serious. We want to know where this is going and what we need to do to get there. Venus moving into Capricorn is a great time to review contracts and see how the deal can be sweetened or improved so that it can be more profitable. In the workplace, some things that Venus might be in charge of, given that common keywords for Venus might be love, beauty, and harmony, then we might consider Venus coming into the workplace and wanting to influence social dynamics, some office aesthetics, and the overall atmosphere. And so the way or the channels in which Venus might accomplish these things is through managing workplace relationships. In Capricorn, it might be identifying the structure in which people explore and clarify and define relationships. What's the organizational hierarchy? What are the tools in which performance is managed and conversations are had? Venus would care about the office aesthetics and the decor. In Capricorn, it would be very practical. It would be orderly. Venus might care about employee engagement and satisfaction, team building and social events, employee wellness and well-being programs. Customer relations or client interactions, workplace policies, artistic and creative endeavors, like internal communications, employee recognition programs, other HR and people-centric initiatives. And so while Venus is in Capricorn, you can think about Venus as an individual in the C-suite, perhaps the chief human resources officer, the chief people officer, the head of people, head of talent. In Capricorn, Venus may not be bright and fun. This could give the experience that Michael Scott has with Toby in the office. Because in Capricorn, Venus isn't just the party planner. Venus isn't just there to order the pizzas. No, Venus in Capricorn, as the head of HR for an organization, will be very clear on job codes, job leveling, leadership competencies, performance metrics. 
it will care about how we align the human talent to allow a business to scale and remain profitable. It'll be prioritizing future planning. It will want work environments where employees can come in and be productive and focused. It will expect the employees to be disciplined, dutiful, and responsible, following through on their commitments. And so this week when Venus moves into Capricorn, you might notice this energy. You might see this in the workplace. And if you are in the human resources function, this would be a good time to evaluate some of these facets of the employee experience at work. What's up, witches? Welcome to Staff Meeting at the Corporate Coven, the podcast for witches at work. I'm your host, Jessica Munson, sometimes referred to as that witch from work. I'm pleased to bring you this weekly episode of the podcast where we check in with a reflective question inspired by current astrological weather, we make magic with daily lunar activities, and we take a closer look at the major aspects happening each day. Remember, if you're looking for premium access to workplace witchery and cosmic career advice, you can sign up for the Corporate Coven subscription where I share even more resources and tools, including having the opportunity to get your chart read by me on the podcast. When you sign up, make sure that you select the box that gives me permission to contact you. That's the way I'll be reaching out to get your chart information. I recorded the first Corporate Coven VIP chart reading for the premium tier, and I show you some of the structure of how to read the chart for career and vocation, what it means to have cardinal signs in your angular houses, and how to talk about transits that might activate your career and finances. All of this is available to you at the Corporate Coven subscription. Now let's get into this staff meeting, shall we? Do you have the courage to be seen? This courage to be seen is super important when you're in job search or when you're trying to make a career transition. People get tripped up in interviews and performance conversations because of this fear of being visible. It means getting feedback and being perceived. People project assumptions onto you. And you want to influence that projection as much as possible by managing expectations, preparing for the conversation. But it's also about cultivating the inner strength to say, I'm okay, regardless of what they say. This check-in question, do you have the courage to be seen, is inspired by the full moon in Leo that we get this week. I've had a few people reach out to me recently expressing that they have felt tripped up in interviews, that it's uncomfortable to come forward, to ask for what they want, to declare what they're great at, and to admit to what they're not so great at or what they're not looking forward to. I had in an interview one time, this was a final round interview, and I was speaking directly with the head of the department who sat in the C-suite. And they asked me, what do you think you'll struggle with the most in this role? I had never been asked that before. 
And I, this was after my master's degree. This was after I had spent a year in a career center helping students prepare for interviewing. And, and this question had never really come up in any of my studies. And so I wasn't prepared for it. And it was vulnerable to admit that, yeah, there are parts of this job that I'm a little scared for, that I'm worried I won't do a good job, that I anticipate I'll need a lot of training, that there will be a learning curve. In an interview and around these experiences where we're kind of put on the spot, the spotlight is on us, kind of like a full moon. It amplifies a contrast, this polarization, this desire to come into an organization, to be seen and to be celebrated, to be recognized for your contribution and the value that you generate and that you have the potential to create. But People are making assumptions about you. They're making judgments for you. They have rating scales in the background. They sit in conference rooms after the interview is over to talk about you and all the things that you said that they loved and that they didn't like. How awkward. How awkward. How uncomfortable. How nerve-wracking. How embarrassing. How frightening. And it takes courage. And again, there are so many things that you can do to prepare. But most important is preparing yourself for this experience. In Leo, with the full moon, we think about the strength card in the major arcana of the tarot. Cultivating the inner strength to say, I'm okay, regardless of what they say. But the full moon in Leo isn't the noisiest part of the week. So let's quickly review the major transits that we have to look forward to. And we are looking at the week of January 21st through January 27th. I am just realizing that I, so I bought a brand new calendar, the planetary alignments calendar from Chris Brennan on the astrology podcast. And I believe this visual was created by um, Paula Bellanini, Bellamini. Bellamini. I buy this for myself every single year. It's always a birthday present to me. I love having a quick visual that just does a big overview of the calendar year ahead and identifying the major transits as well as the lunations or some other significant planetary alignments. And Previously, I've always had it on my left side. I sit at my computer desk while I'm doing these podcast episodes because I'm looking at my notes, I'm looking at the chart, you know, I'm sitting down at my desk and I'm used to looking over at my left side on the other side of my room for the calendar, but I, I moved it. I decided to rearrange my workspace and I actually put the calendar on my right side. It's a lot closer here, but I'm noticing already that it's so foreign for my neck to turn in this way. And even the way that I'm sitting in my chair, I, I'm twisting a lot more and I feel it a lot more in my body that I'm turning to look at the calendar over here on my right. So I just wanted to name that. I've restructured my workspace 
I'm being a little bit more intentional with like the feng shui and the energy flow of my work environment. And I'm trying something new this year and I'm really loving it so far, but I'm going to, I'm realizing the tension I'm holding in my neck right now and we'll need to sort that out. But let's talk about the major transits. So on Tuesday, the 23rd, Venus moves into the sign of Capricorn. And that was the uh, transit that I featured in the preview segment of the episode. So we talked a little bit about that already. On Thursday, we have the full moon in Leo. And then Saturday for me is the big noise. Saturdays, we, we end this really powerful Saturday. And it's interesting because the last two weekends of January... I'm counting that there's only four weekends in January. The last two weekends in January are so noisy. This past Saturday, we had Pluto and the sun ingress into the sign of Aquarius. We talked about that last week. This Saturday, we see Uranus stationing direct. And we also see Mercury conjunct Mars in the sign of Capricorn. And so we're going to, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about all of the noise, but of course, before we get into the major aspects and transits, we're going to spend some time with the moon. We're going to talk about the moon's journey through the Zodiac wheel, as well as the lunar phases that she'll be going through. And that's going to transition us pretty seamlessly into the daily forecast where we start with discussing where the moon is that day, but then I'm prioritizing talking about some more of the noisy aspects, uh, noisy, meaning that these are some of the personal, but a bit more social planets. And so we'll witness this within ourselves, but we'll also see this in the people that we work with in the customers that we serve, the people that we live with, etc. So we're in the period of the year where we see the beginning and the end of the week with the moon in a mutable sign. That means that the weekends are all about that transition. It's about moving out of one consciousness and into another. And this is what the mutable seasons bring us. The mutable seasons coming in and kind of take us out of winter and into spring. My favorite is Pisces because this is the time of year where you get to see at my home, I have tulips and daffodils that grow every year. And Pisces season is when they've already sprung up through the ground, but then we get a snowfall. And that's one of my favorite images in nature is when you see something that like feels like that shouldn't be that way. It's kind of like when it's raining, but the sun is still shining. It's like, it shouldn't be that way. Rain is supposed to be, you know, cloudy storm. So when it's sunshiny and raining, it's so abnormal. It's so strange. It's so like, you know, queer and out there. And I feel that way with spring blossoms that have snow on them as well. And so I love these mutable seasons, these points of transition, right? It takes us from one thing and into the next. And so you see it as an unraveling of the fixed energy that came before and is loose and unstructured so that way the cardinal signs can come in, impose control over the elements, form it and shape it to create a new consciousness, which then a fixed sign will come in, stabilize and maintain. So that way there's a consistent experience with it until we see another mutable sign come in to dissolve it and make it formless again to prepare it for cardinal seasons to move forward. And that's what's happening on the weekends. And so what you might experience as is, you know, like I, I would think that like in cardinal weekends is when we're starting new projects. We have a new idea. We want to go out and try something. It's like really activating and we're, we're probably out moving a lot. 
or we're initiating things at home. In a fixed consciousness, this could be where it feels like I'm working on the weekends or else like, you know, even though I'm at work, I'm having a hard time getting out of like the weekend energy um, because it's about the stabilization. And I know that as we've been in the fixed consciousness, my weekends were spent primarily with work. It was like I really just could not unplug and disconnect for someone like me where I find a lot of joy and fulfillment in my work. That wasn't so hard for me personally to move through, but I know that it did impact the people that I live with and the people in my life. You know, my weekends, I was mostly just constantly like, you know, wanting to do these things. And for me, I'm a fixed sign already. And so this desire to be like consistent and really like fixated on something felt really normal. And I felt like I was in my element. What's been harder for me is actually noticing that as we transition into more of this mutable consciousness on the weekends, I have this like, wait a minute, what am I doing right now? Like, am I working? Am I just chilling? Like, are we going somewhere? And it's been, you know, when it's a mutable activation because Neptune's still an immutable sign, it's just created this like nebulous is the only way that I can describe it. And that's really unfamiliar and foreign to me, it's been harder to transition into this, but it's probably been better for the people in my life who are more mutable and a little bit less fixed because I'm a little bit more available. So even though I'm personally a little bit uncomfortable with a lot of mutable energy, um, I live with some mutable individuals and I can tell it's a little bit better for them when I when I have this experience on the weekends. So this is what we're moving into. The weekends are about you know, unraveling from the week and creating like this formless structure. And then the initiating energy to come in really comes once the week starts, right? It, it starts, you know, after Sunday's over and we're kind of back into the workplace and we're back into, I don't know, like the mindset that we're going to be at work. We're going to be starting projects. Like we have this stuff that we have to do, but the weekends are really, this is, this for me is like a better time of year where the weekend really is the weekend and we disconnect from the work week. This week in particular, we're going to see the moon start in the zodiac sign of Gemini. It will move through its home sign of Cancer into the fiery sign of Leo, and then we'll end the week in Virgo. So I was thinking about this journey from Gemini to Virgo and how in Gemini consciousness or in like the Gemini stage of life in human development, it's a lot of game playing. It's a lot of like pretending and learning. And I've shared this before as an example, but when you're a child and you're learning things, a lot of it is done through song. It's done through play. It's done through rhyming schemes. It's really short bursts of learning. You wouldn't expect a toddler or really even like kindergartners and first graders to sit down for hours at a time focusing on one subject. That's what you do in higher education, right? Like I, when I was in my master's program and even in a lot of my undergrad classes, um, when I would take like a weekend class or something like that, I mean, you would sit in a lecture hall for a few hours and you'd have like one like quick break in the middle, like to go to the bathroom or something. But when you're a child and you're young, that is so not realistic. And I've actually taught um, children that age. I taught ballet and dance to five and six-year-olds, which is kind of like that transition, like you're still in Gemini, but you're moving into the Cancerian um, stage of life. But I also, when I was an active member of the Christian religion that I grew up in, when I turned 18, 
um, I asked for the opportunity to teach children. Um, and so I actually taught five-year-olds, like four and five-year-olds, like the doctrine and about Jesus and like, you know, all of these other things. But I taught that age group and you, you just have to do short spurts of learning and you have to get ready to distract them and redirect them. Kids don't, you know, get told no, they don't understand no or don't. So it's best just to redirect them, draw their attention somewhere else. Look at this shiny thing over here. And so when we start the weekend like that, you can imagine that it's a bit lighthearted, it's playful, it's short sprints as opposed to long lectures. Um, and it's a little bit better for communication as well. Although this Gemini moon has just been suppressed by that Plutonian influence. So it may not feel like as light, but it's still a little bit more playful than usual. And then moving into cancer again, like this is nurturing, this is warmth, this is, you know, making sure that your soul and your spirit and your body has all the things that it needs to restore, to feel protected. Um, it's the loving embrace of a caretaker who really like gives you that security feeling, that like security blanket feeling. And then moving into the sign of Leo, where it's expressive, like, now that I feel safe with you, I feel safe to show my biggest and my deepest emotions. This is one thing that my mother-in-law, she has a master's degree in early childhood education, and I'm so grateful that I have her as a resource for me as a parent, um, because I never prioritized studying children. I always was more focused on adult learning and adult therapy. I didn't even really, like, study teenagers, because... It wasn't my population that I was interested in serving. And and so one thing that my mother-in-law has shared with me that I didn't know, and now as a mom, I really have to remind myself, and she's really good at reminding me as well, is that kids will show their strongest emotions to the people that they trust. And so it's that frustrating feeling of like, you're always good for the babysitter, but you're terrible for me. Well, of course you're good at grandmas, but you're shit when we get home. And that's because when you have a, a deep feeling of security with someone, like through a Cancerian relationship, then when the moon moves into Leo, then you tell them all the things that hurt you the most, that scare you the most, that fill you up the most. And this can be overwhelming for some other people. Um, but it's like, I trust you. And so I'm sharing this with you. I wouldn't share this to just anyone, but you get to see it here with me. And then it moves into Virgo and Virgo is the sign of service. And so it's almost like now that I have maybe like trauma dumped or now that I have shown you all of these like things and I've laid this emotional burden at your feet through this big expression that I've had. Now let me, um, make it up to you or let me serve you. Let me say, thank you. This is, this is the acts of service love language. But it's about like the pretending and learning to the application of what you've learned. Um, so if I've like learned to communicate and I've learned to say please and thank you, well, now like I'm actually going out and serving you and I'm using those manners that I just like pretended to have, right? So this is a little bit of like the consciousness that we're moving through. The lunar activities speak often to our inner world and our inner experience. But of course, as we are all individuals who are moved and influenced by the moon, then we really notice this within ourselves. Hi. 
Every single week for over a year on the Corporate Coven, we've discussed how the lunar phases influence your experience in the workplace. But have you ever considered that the lunar phase at the time of your birth might also hold powerful clues about your professional journey? Discover the cosmic insights that guide your career decisions with me and let the moonlight illuminate your path. Visit www.thatwitchfromwork.com and embark on a celestial journey to career success. This week, beginning with a Gemini moon, we see the week really opening up with this waxing gibbous lunar phase. This is right before the full moon. Of course, the full moon will get on Thursday. But leading up to that is really like the building of the momentum. It's coming in and it's, you know, it's almost fully illuminated. And what this illumination does for us is it starts making you aware of the pending publicity. You might think of it that way. It's it's the pending illumination, the pending spotlight, if you will. I'm about to be under scrutiny. I'm about to experience polarity. I'm about to have a light cast on me. And so sometimes when we think about, um, you know, oh, I'm about to be seen in a big way. Like, for example, if you know that you're about to have your year-end performance review or you're about to have a conversation with your leader about compensation adjustments, or you're about to go into a job interview. When you're about to be seen, you're all of a sudden very aware of what needs to be adjusted, refined. It's super common that, you know, before you do family pictures or before you are photographed for your wedding or your headshots or some big event, that you go get your roots touched up, you might get a facial, um, you might go pay like a professional makeup artist to help give you some of that glamour magic, help make you feel a little bit more confident. You might also start refining your skill sets. You might start practicing your proficiency in certain tools. It's this awareness that you're about to be under scrutiny. You're about to be seen in some way leading up to the full moon, of course. And so we might feel this desire for self-development or personal growth, improvement in some way. And it's instinctive in that we intuitively know, kind of like, this is where I feel insecure. And so therefore, this is where I want to action. But it's not necessarily impulsive, like the crescent moon might be. It may not be super well thought out because, you know, it's Gemini moon during this lunar phase, but there's still this, this concept of, Hey, I need to make an adjustment. I need to reorient myself. I need to practice something. I need to continue developing myself in some way to really prepare for this full moon experience. And then when we have the full moon, this is where maybe in the job interview situation, you think about the spotlight's on you, but now the spotlight's also on them. And you experience this polarity and this contrast. And in all the ways you're aware that the person or the other, whatever that might be, is evaluating you or your relationship to some capacity, you're also going through this evaluation. Is this the company that I want to work for? Is this the job role I want to be in? Is this the way I want to look forever on my wedding day? Is this how I want my headshot to be memorialized on LinkedIn? Whatever that is, it's it's this acknowledgement of the other as well. And sometimes this causes attention, right? It reaches this complete opposite polarization 
where now there are these seemingly opposing forces. And this feels like when you're trying to force two magnet ends together and you can feel, even though you can't see, you can feel the resistance between these polar forces. And with the full moon, and we talk a little bit more about this on the day-by-day forecast, but the full moon is really highlighting the contrast between Leo and Aquarius, between me and my own creativity as an individual, my artistic lens in the world, the way that I want to show up and feel authentic and who I am, and what the needs of the collective are, and how I fit into a larger framework, and how there's an interdependence between all of this. What is the dance between these two seemingly opposing forces? I think that this is really well expressed in job interviewing, and this is a, a common challenge that I hear when people are practicing for interviews or when I'm part of the panel and they're discussing it, and we're talking about pieces of the resume. What I find is that when people are asked to describe how they work in teams, you know, the behavioral-based interview question you might hear is, tell me about a time when you had to collaborate to get the job done or when you worked as part of a team to accomplish a goal. And what they want to hear is, how did you work well with others? But they also want to hear how you stood out. What did you specifically do? And so a common failure in the way that people respond to this question or kind of get at this evaluation of how do you work in teamwork, but also how do you shine and how do you individually show up in a group is people will emphasize themselves and they forget to talk about what the actual collaboration looked like. Who were the other stakeholders? Tell me more about the situation and the environment. Like who else were you working in and, and what other lovers were dependent on this situation? The inverse of that is true in that people come in and say, oh, well, the team did this, that, and the other. And the interview panel is like, well, what did you do though? We want to know what you did. And this trips people up. And so we think about this in the contrast of Leo and Aquarius. I want to understand how you live in an ecosystem and you work in an interdependent work environment. But I also want to hear how you personally show up. How did your individuality contribute to the overall team's success? Help me understand how you fit into this equation. And so a little um, job interview advice <laughs> for those that might be in career search right now. Or again, if you're a leader and you're trying to elevate your team's performance, and this is a way that you're not taking credit for the team's role, but you also get to identify, hey, here's how I influenced it. And this is common in program or project management as well, because you're the, you know, orchestrator behind the scenes. I was going to say puppet master, but that didn't feel genuine to what the experience is like sometimes, but you're, you're working more like behind the scenes and all the teams out there doing the work. So you need to elevate. Yeah. My team did the work, but here's how I contributed to the situation. Here's how I enabled people to be amazing in the workplace. So let's get into the daily forecast. Sunday, like I mentioned, we're starting with this Gemini moon and the moon is moving towards a big old empty part of the Zodiac wheel. None of the traditional or the modern planets are in the signs of Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, or Scorpio. And Venus is only at the very tail end of Sagittarius. So by the time the moon gets to Sagittarius, that zodiac constellation, that house, that area of the zodiac wheel will also be empty. And so the moon's about to go through a journey where there will be no conjunctions. There will be no immediate run-ins. 
I've described this in the past as like taking a lot of meetings remotely, working from home quite a bit more. And really, this just demonstrates that you have a bit more space. You might still be connecting with folks and working on things, but you have some room, you have some breathing room. And so it's nice to take some space on Sunday to just be playful and curious and lighthearted or humorous, especially because if your experience matches the moon, like I think it does. And, you know, the way that we use the moon in these daily horoscope descriptions and things like that, like there's a lot of good reason why we use the moon's journey and relationships to describe people's personal experiences. So the moon just finished going through the half of the zodiac wheel that is packed with all of the planets. You know, in the previous cycle, uh, the moon met up with Venus. It talks to Mercury, Mars, Pluto, the sun with the new moon in Capricorn. It moved over and hung out with Saturn and Neptune with Chiron, the North Node. We're checking out, you know, Jupiter and Uranus. And then finally it's like, oh God. Oh my God. I was just in so many meetings. I was just in so many conversations. I was just interacting with so many people. And now I just need to get the work done. You know, like now I just, I need some space for a minute. And it's, it's not necessarily that you are truly isolating and retreating. Although I'm sure there's plenty of introverts out there that are feeling like, no, I'm literally holing up and y'all will not find me. But it's just this sense that you have a little bit of space now. You have some breathing room. You might still be collaborating or connecting, but there's a bit of a distance. And this might feel like a really nice relieving experience, you know, find some ways to have that relief, to get rid of some of the pressure that might be what you've been experiencing with the closeness of all of these conjunctions as of late. Now on Monday, the moon will oppose Venus and square Neptune before forming a trine to Saturn. And that's because the moon will be at the later degrees of Gemini and then ingress into the zodiac sign of Cancer where the moon finds herself at home. And so when the moon and Venus disagree, this opposition between the moon and Venus, you don't want to get caught in the crossfire, right? Although if we were going to put any planet into the discord between these two, I think that Neptune will do just fine. If you're caught up in workplace politics, accept that you don't have the full story. And so it doesn't make sense to let your feelings get hurt just yet. Just yet. Don't overreact or react too early. Acknowledge that on Monday, you don't have the entirety of the situation. And so where you feel this polarity and likely some frustration, this square from Neptune is kind of going to make you question like, well, what am I missing? It makes me think about some tips from Sarita Mabin, who's the author, and she's also a keynote speaker that I've heard before, but she's the author of the book. Oh, what is it? It's like what to say when you don't have anything nice to say. I'll find it and I'll link it in the show notes. But it's like, what do you say when you don't have anything nice to say? What do you say when you have to give difficult feedback? What do you say when you have to course correct an employee, a direct report, a partner, a business partner, a friend, a parent, a child? Like, what does it feel like when you need to redirect and course correct? 
when you need to have a difficult conversation and give feedback, which could leave the other person feeling really sensitive and vulnerable. Well, Neptune might sound like, and this is a specific phrase that I am taking from Sarita Mabin, and that is starting off with, you might not realize it, but, or, and, (laughs) you might not realize it. And when you show up late for meetings, when you consistently reschedule meetings, when you title meetings with unprofessional titles, when you speak flippantly about my portfolio of work, when you are late to submit invoices, when you name it, (laughs) quick, quick list of things that apparently are bothering me. Um, But you may not realize it. This is Neptune. I'm assuming positive intent and that you actually just don't see this situation clearly and that you're not aware of the impact it's causing. And that, that would be a phrase that I would encourage you to invite into your vernacular on Monday, January 22nd especially if you're feeling some of this workplace politics or this polarization and this discord between either yourself and someone else, or you're noticing it between two parties at work that you're working closely with, you may not realize it. Mm, But here's the feedback. Here's what, here's what you need to realize. Um, And then kind of go from there, but it's that assuming positive intent and that if they know better, they'll do better, but maybe they just don't know. At this time, we still see this sextile between Saturn and Jupiter. And that's what makes me think like you can, you can be uh, Saturn in Pisces. You can be that like stern Saturnian, uh, but also soft and gentle in the way that it's delivered, right? You can set up a boundary, even if that boundary is water. Okay. Tuesday, Tuesday, the cancer moon, um, moves through that trine with Saturn and is opposing Mercury and Mars. And this is also the day that we see Venus ingress into the sign of Capricorn. Now, Tuesday is a Mars rule day anyways, and I always expect them to be a bit more active for that reason. Now, the moon is at home again in the sign of Cancer, and so she's feeling a bit more capable, especially with a nice sextile from Jupiter. And Saturn is encouraging the moon to stay the course. The opposition from Mercury and Mars, I think, could be an important part of the process, though in the moment, it might just feel like an impossible situation because, again, this is what these oppositions feel like. And so, again, some of the discord on Monday, like this frustration, this opposition that could be hard for the moon to experience. And then you move into Tuesday and guess what? It's just some more oppositions. And so this could feel like a tension point. And even though you might be feeling it with a bit of space, you're still feeling this seemingly impossible situation or this this frustrating juxtaposition of work. Now, Mars and Mercury might think that the moon is being a bit too sensitive. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But nothing is wasted. Even if the moon finds themselves being a bit more sensitive, a bit more reactive, uh, you know, receiving criticism is never easy and it could be like, hey, like, you know, you, you poked my soft spot and that was really hard to hear. And now I feel uncomfortable or I feel frustrated. And Mercury and Mars might be feeling like it's not that serious. Don't take it that way. It's not personal. But it might be true that it, it was a bit more direct than it needed to be. 
It may have been a bit more harsh, especially as we see the Mars coming into this square with Chiron. So it could hurt a little bit more than they meant it to, but also you don't need to take it personally. There's some of this like interpretate intention, right? Uh, see each other where you're at. And again, nothing is wasted. It's all just information that you can take going forward and try to see a learning opportunity and a nice way to give feedback. Now, I spoke to Venus moving into Capricorn at the beginning of the episode and some of those competencies that we highlighted that Venus might be responsible for in the workplace are systems where employees can receive feedback. And we like to think about employee recognition as always just spotlighting the positive or the really helpful or amazing things that happen within organizations. But sometimes it's also acknowledging like, hey, here was a miss and here's how we corrected it. Or here's why you might disagree with a nepotism policy, but here's why it's critical that we have it in place. I'm sorry you can't hire your cousin or your nephew. Like this is what we need to do. Um, yeah, let's move on to Wednesday, Wednesday, the moon in cancer, uh, and Mars. This is where that exact square with Chiron comes in, um, around that 15 degrees. We're going to feel that like exact square on that day. So the moon's in cancer actually coming into a trine with Neptune, but it's Mars and Chiron that are in this exact square at 15 degrees in their respective signs, Capricorn and Aries. So you know, th for me, when I was looking at this, I was thinking there's just such this big fear of Chiron and Aries, which is asserting yourself and accepting all that you risk when you do that. And this is why, you know, again, this check in question that we talked about at the beginning of the episode, this fear of being seen, this is emphasized in a few different places in the astrology of the week. And this is another one where I pulled it out is this square, this fear of, hey, like, if I assert myself, I'm actually drawing attention to myself. If I ask the question, if I take myself off of mute, if I send the email, if I raise my hand, if I give this feedback, if I volunteer for this, if I apply for this job, if I accept this interview, I now have to be seen. I actually have thinking about this with like podcasts, right? Like, you know, I've had guests on the podcast and there's been a few of them that they were like, oh my gosh, I felt like I just, I felt like as we were recording it, I sounded ridiculous. And then I listened to the episode and I'm not as stressed out about it anymore. But when you initially put yourself out there and I still feel this way with podcasting and doing readings with clients and facilitating new higher orientation. Like I, I feel this as well, but there's this fear of like, oh, now people can see me. And there's vulnerability in that. When you draw attention to yourself, you make yourself vulnerable. In herd mentality, there's this safety in numbers and all of that, right? But there comes a point where it's actually too painful to not be seen and to not assert yourselves. I'm going to use a personal example. I didn't have this in the script, but as I'm repeating this now, this is just like so loud for me. So I'm going to share this. Um, my Both of my parents are Libras. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, no, but both of my parents are Libras, Libra sons. And my mom, I've heard her say so often that the way people experienced her growing up is that she had the patience of Job, if you're familiar with that biblical story from Christianity. She was the embodiment of the woman who always smiled and took it on the cheek, didn't cause a ruckus, 
was priority. Number one was being pleasing to others, helping other people have pleasing experiences. Um, you know, just being likable fawning is a trauma response, right? And like that fawning, like, let me just make myself likable to be safe in this situation. But I remember, um, I think it was actually, it, it was sometime between my mom's first Saturn return and her Uranus opposition. And I think it actually might've been closer to the Uranus opposition. I'm having a hard time remembering, but there was this, this moment in life where I remember very clearly my mom having this like awakening and acknowledging of like, I've actually been doing it to my detriment. I actually am sick of not standing up for myself. I'm sick of not asserting myself. And my, my mom has this like, nervousness in public speaking and being put, you know, in front of people, especially putting, being put in, um, situations of conflict and confrontation. But she also was realizing like, it's been too painful to not stand up for myself, to not have my ideas heard, to not let people know where my boundaries are. And, you know, that wounding of Libra of like, actually, I literally cannot do this anymore. I will die. Like, you have to hear me. You have to listen to me. You have to understand that this isn't going to work anymore. And this is that juxtaposition of like, it's scary to put yourself out there. It's really terrifying to go through the job interview process. It's really uncomfortable to go to your leader and say, hey, this is why I think you should give me a raise. Uh, you know, it's comfortable to put yourself out there on social media. It's it's scary to put yourself out there again because it creates a vulnerability for you. But there comes a point where it's too painful to not do it. So part of Mars's drive in Capricorn is testing by this fear it's it's um just go do it anyways <laughs> just go try you're not going to get better unless you put yourself out there unless you practice and if you don't start now it's going to take too long like, like just start now just just go out and do it i know it's hard i know it's scary but you know chin up <laughs> Thinking of Mars as like this this uh, drill sergeant that's also trying to be soft with you of like they're there strap up person let's go come on don't dawdle <laughs> you can do it right you can do it I know it's scary but you can do it this day I'm actually going to be at an HR networking event I actually be I'm going to two of them I'm going to one on Tuesday and then I'm going to another one on Wednesday and. I know that I'm probably going to be feeling super extroverted, but even though I know a ton of people in the HR space and I love going out, I still am already feeling the fear of having to show up and to be seen and to talk about myself or to be ready to hold space for other people to share about themselves with me. You, this is my, this is my wheelhouse. This is my bag. You know what I mean? Like I love networking and these are all like a ton of the people that I know. One of them, like my core, like my company that I work for is like sponsoring. And I still, I'm like, Ooh, I'm, I'm feeling so nervous. I do have a dentist appointment on Wednesday. And so I'm, I'm confident that I'll have some pearly whites. Um, I'll have mercury on my son. So I think it'll be a little bit easier to talk about myself than I have fear of, but just acknowledging that that Chiron activation. So anyways, if you're curious about HR networking events and what they look like and who I'll be interacting with, then connect with me on Instagram team, because I'll probably have my phone out. So that which from work on Instagram, if you're not following me already. 
Big networking week for me, though. On Thursday, the full moon in Leo at five degrees. So this full moon, like I mentioned earlier, it's about the juxtaposition. It's about the drive and desire for authenticity and the acknowledgement that we live in an interconnected world. The full moon goes exact around 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And it's going to give you insight into what authenticity means for you and how you need to express that. But before the exactness of the full moon at that fifth degree, it's also going to oppose Pluto, having just recently ingressed back into Aquarius at zero degrees, right? And this could feel especially like especially uncomfortable. I'm thinking I'm I'm just going to use like my chart as an example. And if you're an Aquarius rising as well or if I've had a few clients recently that were either birthday buddies with me or born like 2 days before or 2 days after me, so this will kind of apply for y'all as well because we have Venus in a similar location. But my natal Venus is at 5 degrees Aquarius. And that's exactly where the sun's going to be during this full moon. Because, of course, you know, the full moon is exact when the sun and moon are exactly 180 degrees apart. And so the, the sun will be at five degrees, the moon will be at five degrees, and we have this exact 180 degree uh, alignment between the two, which is actually going to be squaring Jupiter at the time, right? So I'm thinking about the idea of, like, my relationships and how I show up in my relationships. And this idea that... There's a lot that just involves me. There's a lot that I get to do that just involves me. But at the same time, acknowledging that all of my actions have a ripple effect and do eventually impact my partnerships. Now, being the extroverted, high-achieving, super fiery-driven person that I am, I tend to be a dominating force in my marriage and in a lot of my relationships. I'm sure a lot of my friends and even coworkers would say the same thing. I can, I can be a really dominating presence um, for that reason. And one thing that I've been really sensitive to with Pluto going into my first house is the acknowledgement of how I might be too domineering and how I might create spaces which create an imbalance in my relationships, whether it's in my marriage or my friendships or Whatever that is, sometimes I even have power struggles with my therapist, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I tend to have like this presence anyways. And so I've been feeling really sensitive to this full moon could be um, an indicator with Pluto of what it's going to feel like to have Pluto through the first house, but especially as Pluto gets closer and closer to a conjunction with my natal Venus and what that will mean for my relationships, especially as my personal, you know, self is being transformed. And so this is always an invitation with these full moons to look at where, where is this happening in your chart? Where is Pluto in your chart right now? Um, as Pluto is in the sign of Aquarius, because it's, you know, my first and seventh being activated. But if this is your fourth and your 10th, then it's the acknowledgement of how your career influences your home or vice versa. You know, how does your, home life interact or interrupt or dominate the work environment? And is that what you want it to look like? 
And so this is just something to be sensitive to. Um, I won't speak more about this other than the square with Jupiter is just kind of this like, I just think about like the be careful what you wish for. New moons are more of a time for manifestation. Full moons are really the time where you see the cycle come to a close and you see the fullness of the intention that you set before. And again, for me, whatever is coming up, whatever is being illuminated is a breadcrumb. It's a foreshadowing. It's an Easter egg. You know how Disney does that in all of their movies. They'll have like a, a preview of characters that will be coming forward in, in a future release. It's kind of like that. This is a preview of what is continuing down the pipeline of all the things that Pluto is going to be working through and transforming in Aquarius. Now, for those of you that are like, oh my gosh, I also have Venus in Aquarius right there because Jessica, I'm one of the people that you read my chart recently and they're very similar and we have this placement, you know, around this time. Or if you're an Aquarius sun and you have your Aquarius sun in the first decan or even in the first five degrees and you're like, oh my God, like, what does this mean for me? Um, then Again, just look through where it is in your chart, but just know that this isn't going to be exact. Like you won't have Pluto over in that area exactly until I think it's like 2027 sometime. So we have some time. This is the thing with Pluto. It's a very slow moving transit because it's so far away from the sun, right? It's so far out there. Um, and this is a story that will continue to unfold for like the next 20 years or so. So with moments of more or less intensity, just know that this is a preview, but this is not an invitation to catastrophize, to assume the worst. Rather, and it's a, it's an acknowledgement that you will go through a transformation, but part of that transformation for the butterfly is completely disintegrating in the chrysalis. And so uh, this is a preview of what some of that might be like. Okay, Friday. Friday, the Leo moon forms a trine to Chiron and the North Node. You might be feeling the need to reflect on this new era of you, and you might want to vision board about what it is that you want in the future. I'm going to invite you to just be creative on Friday and let the creativity just kind of flow and see what comes out. See what comes out, but you still have the energy of the full moon, um, so rather than like setting intentions, maybe do like a gratitude sheet, like an inventory list of like, here's all the things that came true on my vision board. Here's all the things that have come to fruition. Here's all the things that I'm really proud of for myself. Here's the things that I love about myself that I want to cultivate more of in the future. But maybe it sounds more like a gratitude offering of some kind. On Saturday, Mercury is conjunct Mars, Uranus stations direct, and Venus forms a sextile to Saturn at five degrees. So Mercury and Mars are working together at 17 degrees and 17 minutes Capricorn. <laughs> um, we get this little trine from Uranus who is stationed direct. And this is going to give some insight into the best ways to innovate, to achieve your desired ends. And there could be like an aha moment of like what the path forward actually looks like, especially when the moon ingresses into the sign of Virgo and, uh, activates and kind of starts like looking towards a trine with Venus and with Jupiter, which I think will actually be really nice. Um, again, we've had, we've had some fortune with some really incredible, like earthy energy this year. Uh, the beginning of this year, 2024, I mean, I think that there was like some energy at the back end of 2023 that was actually a bit more destabilizing than stabilizing. But with Uranus stationing direct, 
Um, we have, you know, an exalted Mars conjunct Mercury that's completely out of the shadow period from its recent retrograde cycle. We've got Venus in Capricorn forming, uh, trying to Jupiter, which is stationed direct in Taurus. So I feel like now, and you know, there's that stabilizing, uh, transit with Saturn in Pisces as well. And so it just feels like a good time to actually like go do the thing, like whatever it is you're wanting to do on the weekend, like this is a good time to actually go out and do it, to be tangible, to like touch it with your hands, to give it form, to give it life. Uh, and actually I'd be curious, I'm, as I'm recording this, I'm just thinking, I had a conversation recently with some other HR witches. We were talking about all kinds of things, meditation, quantum physics, uh, tarot. Like we, we were talking about all of the things. And one of the other witches there, we were talking about our daily tarot practice and how the pentacles have been dominating some of our personal readings, the dominating some of our personal readings. And we both have numerous decks. She uses a digital one on her phone as well. There's an app. I'm an old school girly. All of my decks I use are physical, but we've been trading out and using like a few different decks and pentacles are just a real dominating, which is again, just emphasizing the benefit that we have with the earth signs right now. And so this is an awesome time to do the earth things. And you can be specific with where the earth is in your chart. And if you're curious and you don't know, and you're like, Jessica, I, I, I hear you and I hear the invitation, but I don't know my chart well enough. I don't know enough about what it means to have Capricorn in the first house. I don't know what it means to have Capricorn in the second house. I don't know what it means to have Virgo in my seventh. Well, you know, I can help with that. If you'd like some support with it, uh, make sure that you're visiting my website to book your career astrology readings with me to check out my ebook, to check out some of my free downloads. I have a few courses I'm going to be launching this year that's going to teach you how to self-help, self-navigate your chart through a vocational lens. So stay connected with me, sign up for the newsletter, all the things, all the things, hang out with me this year. I have even more celestial and cosmic career advice coming your way. Thanks for joining me for this staff meeting and I'll catch you in next week's episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Corporate Coven, a podcast for witches at work. Keep the magic alive by joining our newsletter at www.thatwitchfromwork.com. There you can find extra resources and book a career astrology reading with me. If you love today's episode, you can support our work by subscribing, turning on notifications, and even making monthly donations. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye, witches.